Welcome to the BLK Economics Podcast, brought to you by BLK Capital Management. BLK Capital Management is a 100% Black-owned, student-run hedge fund that focuses on exposing students to the field of active investment management. The purpose of the podcast is to enrich listeners from around the globe by highlighting the importance of economics. Economics provides a deeper insight into the events that are currently taking place in the world and helps us understand the decisions that have been made and their potential impacts. I think economics is important because it's one of the most overlooked social sciences and it affects every aspect of our daily lives. I believe that economics is important because of the insight that you can gain into consumer behavior. Economics allows you to contextualize the world. BLK Economics. 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 Today we have Joel Stunning. How have you been today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful weather where I am right now and you know Wimbledon's going on so I can't complain. Glad to hear that. So why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about your time in college, you know, your background, any extracurriculars, what you studied? Yeah, absolutely. So I attended George Washington University in Washington, D.C. That was a great opportunity because I, for most of my life, I was raised in the city. I was raised in London. And so having the opportunity to go back to a city, also a very another important city, was an incredible experience because I got to see different facets of life, meet different people from different backgrounds, as well as just recording about DC is everything's related to politics. So whether you're in finance, whether you're in technology, whether you're an engineering major, whether you're an arts major, it all in many cases goes back to some form of government because you have to interact with it. So it was really great to see. Um, I also had the incredible privilege to be a college athlete there. So I was on the men's track and field team, specializing in the 200, 400, and 800. Um, and the reason I say that was a privilege is I got to do something every single day that I love. I don't think in life many people can say that they get to do that. I got to do it at a relatively high level, got to continue doing something I love, and I was able to, you know, end that, end that part of my career on my own terms. It was great. It was um, got to meet a lot of incredible people. Some of them were going to be lifelong friends. Some of them I just really learned from. Like, for example, yesterday, I was on the phone with someone I went to uni with, and he invited me to go, go to Azerbaijan, because that's where he's from. And, I, you know, I was I probably wouldn't have gotten this the opportunity had I not gone to GWCPD. So while it's also being a university athlete, I was on um, I was an economics major, floated around a bit with being a biology major, but my father was a physician. Ultimately, decided that wasn't for me. But, you know, it was a good experience to be able to major in something I really was fascinated about, um, especially in D.C. Um, and then also also be a college athlete you know when we had recruits we'd always take them around like dc and so our recruitment as we called it was we take we take them to the lincoln memorial lincoln monument the washington monument and then the white house because that was in like a, maybe a two mile radius of our campus and the joke is if we can sell them on dc it's between us and georgetown really yeah no that's great to hear i actually did part of my high school um experience in the greater dmv area and I did the Simplify Half Marathon. So it's like we train right around those areas. Yeah, yeah exactly. You can, you can, yeah, you can uh, no, you relate to that. Right. Yeah, you mentioned how, you know, you lived in two big major cities. I think, like, arguably, probably statistically, the two biggest cities in the world. And specifically for finance, how would you um, rate your opinion on the two cities? Yeah, so London is a really great question because I grew up in London. 
while it's still, still the most important city in finance. New York, people can make arguments about it. Um, but what I was going to London was the place. New York was close second. However, um, without being political, after Brexit has happened, um, the decision from the referendum, we've already started to see a transition um, in terms of, you know, people and institutions starting to move resources, allocate resources to other places. So I think, you know, it's going to be still a very important financial hub, you know, being the head of the you know UK economy um, and financial system. And whilst many institutions also have outposts there, I just think the pure density and, you know, pure amount of resources there will start to, you know, um, you know, go down and we maybe move to Hamburg, maybe move to Paris, maybe even move to Madrid. As just firms, you know, really strategically reallocate their resources to where it best fits them. And then DC was great because we just have a bunch of different institutions. We had Carlisle's base there, which is also one of our sponsors. And, you know, the best quote I ever actually heard was when I was in uni was, um, the larger the transaction deal, the more likely you're going to have to deal with government. And so realizing that and seeing how, why many different institutions you know many banks have you know offices down in dc whether or not they're doing transactions is another story but they do many of them have presences there and so that was important that was important to realize and i think all that helped me shape myself and shape my framework for when i moved to new york um i was able to i think relatively well adjusted to being in a city and you know i also think i was kind of at an unfair advantage compared to my peers in that regard because my mom's from the city mom's from harlem so i went to new york moving in and i thought to myself okay I've, like, I've been here maybe like hundreds of times in the family. I'm used to the area. I get it. Um, and I thought, you know, still really, it's, I think New York is still, in my opinion, one of the best cities in the country and probably the world. Um, you know, everything has pros and cons and, you know, that's when they all go into later, I'm, I'm sure. But I think um, if you have the opportunity to live and work in New York, particularly very early on, you can definitely work. No, definitely. I totally agree. Uh, back to your time at DC, you know, George Washington, uh, you said you studied economics. You know. As a career professional now, what would you say are the best degrees for a career on Wall Street? Or if that doesn't matter as much nowadays? Yeah, um, so, you know, I'm sure you all agree with me as many people in Bill Cam brutally honest and blunt, maybe to much of the institution, the organization's leadership's uh, chagrin. I personally think that the whole major um, component of the business and finance is drastically overrated. You know, I'm of the viewpoint that what's what we do in this business is hard. It's not neurosurgery. You're not saving people's lives with my dad. or And because of that, we are able to be very opportunistic about who this business hires, and as well as, particularly if you go to a, a, a large institution that have the resources to train you. In many cases, they'll train people who are history majors. For example, one of the smartest people I've known in this business was a art history major that went to Penn, and another one was a math major that went to Williams College. You know, as my feeling is on this whole major thing is, yeah, sure, if you have an understanding of how stuff works, that might give you a, a little bit of a quote-unquote edge in interviews, I'm sure. Um, however, once we get to, like, the internship or particularly the start of analyst programs especially at like large institutions that have reverse training programs it's kind of a, a level playing field um because you know they train you guys up all the same just like in sports um and similarly this is where it's going to get really controversial i think is i'm going to be putting waltz undergraduates may be smart the, the there's a massive knowledge gap between you know being a, a first-year analyst at a bank for example and a, and a kid that's at an internship you know they, i think interns don't really know even that much and so the advantage of you doing 
economics and finance versus like art history versus you know neuroscience i think there's no minimal difference at the end of the day so measuring what you actually care about and what you learn about and off that i find it more interesting when i've interviewed candidates um who don't necessarily come from quote-unquote typical major i find it more interesting to interview them so bringing it back to your professional career are there any industries or sectors in finance that you're particularly interested in yeah, so I, I think I'd like to break that up into two different categories, to be frank. So um, on the personal side, what I'm really keen on is I think that VC and both equity and angel investing have a lot of runway to grow. Um, that's what I think I'm most keen on, at least while a lot of my personal assets are in terms of why I decide to invest my own capital. And the reason I think that is, you know, on one side, I've talked to a lot of people who think they'd be okay, just people I know, my own personal connections. And people who are like analysts, associates, and interns, a lot of them, I'd say about 6%, are incredibly keen keen on being for and being involved in some type of startup investing or angel investing and to me my logic is hey if 60 percent of a really smart group of individuals are keen on something i kind of want to be involved additionally personally i'm just not interested in the whole let me just invest my 401k um in these um and this additionally due to my various capacities at work and what i've done at work you know it's also highly restrictive because of regulations and laws and you know for me to invest in like public securities many times so i you know what the um opportunity to invest in startups i've decided to allocate my capital to that so primarily many of my um mentors are in under um underrepresented founders so either you know black african founders women founders um disabled founders veteran founders um i'd say that's about 70 percent of my portfolio right there um and then additionally i'm actually just closing on a farm in upstate new york so i bought um a few hundred acres in Dutchess county New York and and my team discussions with a farmer to get boots on said farm. Um, it was something I always wanted to do. I think it's like my family back in the old country has land. I want land in this like a large lot of land in the states to you know just have. And you know if that appreciates great, if I get some tax benefits from it as well, that's also incredible. And so you know at the end of the day, it's um all I think about just being strategic about how I want to allocate my resources. Now on the professional side, this is where again I again I generate a lot of controversy from be okay um from my saying my viewpoints i think right now it's actually a really great time to have these types of discussions because with the macro environment being so volatile and so uncertain you know we're having inflation well we have we saw inflation that we hadn't seen and you know 40 plus years now um and the response we had an incredibly high rate and really accelerated rate hikes which has made it very difficult for institutions and the private markets to raise capital, um, which has also made it really, really difficult for private equity to be as successful as it was in the past. But that also leads to opportunity for private credit to be in the business. So I think, you know, in the next three to five years, um, we're going to see private credit maybe take a lot of the spotlight that private equity may have been taking just because people can get, you know, similar um, similar return rates, you know, 12, 13, 14%, 15, even 15% returns year on year on a much um, on a less risky risk profile because you know you're higher from the cap structure. I think that's one opportunity we're going to be it's really incredible on. I think also we're going to start seeing a shift in terms of you know many of younger kids are going to be maybe less quote unquote gung ho um as doing to buy side immediately or as quick as possible. 
because I think we're going to realize some of the benefits of being at a large institution or more established institution that's, that's less risk on and more of, you know, client services or, you know, financial services like a bank, you know, research firm, you know, so on and so forth. I think we're going to realize this, there's some, there's some validity and some value in having that security because, you know, when you hear some funds um, are down 50, 60% and they're, you know, cutting people, it really does make people cognizant and make maybe different choices. So I think on the professional side, that's my view. Um, I'm always happy to go into that more if you'd like. Yeah, no, very insightful. Kind of on, you know, the similar thing that you mentioned uh, about employees and for places to work. And in this current work environment, like you said, what would you say are some underrated skills for being successful on Wall Street? Yeah, this is great. I love this one. So I'm of the viewpoint that, you know, you can be great at modeling, you can be great at accounting, you can be great at, um, you know, the actual business, understand the market. That's great. If you can do that, incredible. Keep that up. One of the aspects of this business I really think people know, but they don't really try to understand is, um, one, is learning the piping of the infrastructure of this business. For example, understanding the incentives behind why um, these firms are making their decisions and what's happening in the background, like, um, you know, almost like what, like, the one of the strings in a sense um i think it's very important so for example i came from a money markets trading background i'm able to understand the markets at a very macro level and understand oh well this is why you know certain institutions are not being able to get capital right now because banks have a bit of a credit crunch because everyone's putting their money in money markets why is everyone putting their money in money market oh because this is happening right now um having that background is actually really cool and, and right now it's honestly really topical um but uh, just understanding how stuff works I think is really good. Like, for, like I always say to people, the reason I became a D1 athlete at track wasn't necessarily because I was the fastest, even if I worked the hardest. I worked hard and pretty quick. But I tr- tried to understand the entire history of track and field. I like learned why the Greeks did certain events. And I, I think that made me just a better student of my sport, similar to students in the markets. Um, and the second component of it is, I think, underrated skill set, is really learning this is a people business. At the end of the day, you could be as smart as you really want to be as gifted. And if you can, if you're that top, like, you know, 5% of all, like, workers, even in this business, great. Keep doing that. You'll probably be really successful at what you're doing. However, I also recognize that, you know, sometimes a different, different, diff, um, the differentiating equation can be, do people like you? And, you know, I'm, I think of myself as a pretty smart person. I think some people might say so. Some people may not. No, but you're talking to. But I think the reason I've been good at, considered good at what I do and being as influential as in BOK and in, you know, just in my professional career, um, is I've, this, I've met a lot of people, capitalized on those relationships and, you know, built true relationships out of it. So there are people who, there's, um, there are people who I I've met who are most 24 year olds in Wall Street should not know because I met someone else, it was friend of them, and I, you know, just talked to them, treated them like a person, you know. Um, and they're like, Oh, you can meet this person, he's really smart, he likes helping out people. Um, for example, one of my mentors, he used to run a very famous influential hedge fund that actually sponsors us. I was able to just know him through, you know, running the okay and, you know, we built a really great mentor-mentee relationship. Or, you know, I met many very, uh, many groups heads or CEOs of Wall Street institutions or corporate institutions, um, some through BLK, some through my own personal connections and really learning about what's important. Um, and that, and if you, and I took it a step further in some cases, 
but utilizing those relationships, even if they're not on Wall Street, for my own personal work. So one, you know, two years ago now, you know, the baby food crisis, you know, it was shortage on baby food, was getting, you know, kind of lazy, and people were concerned what's happening with the ramifications of this happening in the market. So what I did was I thought to myself, huh, this is an important story. I, I just want to learn more about this. So what I did was I actually got the former CEO of Gerber, the baby food company, to speak to my team because I texted him. I have a great relationship with him. I said to him, hey, Bill, would you mind just having, you know, 30 minutes, just explain what your thoughts on this is? He's going to do it. And that was color you were able to get. Um, did we trade on it? Not really. It wasn't that helpful, but it was just good to learn about the situation. Um, And so, you know, I think stuff, um, you know, steps like that or, you know, processes like that have helped me. And I think that more people should do that. That's not necessarily the only way to be successful, the only skill set you can gain. That's what I found in my personal experience that helped, has helped me though. Oh, 100%. I, I think that's very overlooked. Uh, you know, people focus too much on technicals, but those soft skills, like you said, are very overlooked. Uh, you mentioned BOK there, you know, we're on the BOK Economics Podcast. So tell us a little bit about your experience with BOK in the past and any advice you have for current members. Yeah, so I'm um, you know, I'm sure many people in the institution or sponsors you know recognize I've been here for quite a bit. Um, but maybe many not know why I've been there and what my influence has been and what my relations and um. So I came a part of it um in 2019, November of 2019, just through happenstance. Coincidentally, one of my best friends from uni happens to be friend best friends with Angel from their high school days. Um, here be called be okay in November 2019, and then in April 2020, um, I was I had the I'm privileged to be the sponsorship chair of BOK. And so I was focused on, you know, interacting with institutions that were looking to increase the diversity. At that time, we only had 15 sponsors. So it was more of a, let me reach out to them on myself. Let me go into LinkedIn. Let me call up people who I know and inform them about who we are as an institution. Um, you know, I was doing that position in an environment and in a time where it was a very controversial time in America in this sense that, you know, summer 2020, there was a lot of um, conversations and action being held on, you know, diversity in America, what is the history of diversity in America, and what role do institutions play in that. Um, and many institutions were reflected, and, they, and, many, and some of them decided that they wanted to increase their diversity because they felt that their employee base was a bit more homogenous than they would have liked. And I think, you know, especially in this business, Increasing diversity can is really beneficial because having diversity of thought from different perspectives and different backgrounds can maybe be the um, the, the, um, you know, the factor that separates you from being the top twenty percent of returns in your in your industry over top over top fifty. Uh, and so add that privilege and going being the sponsorship chair in that time. Um, and you know we had fifteen sponsors when I started in April twenty twenty. When I stopped being the sponsorship chair in April twenty twenty one, we had sixty sponsors. So. Um, you know, I credit that to, I had an incredible team helping me. It was not just me doing it. It was, you know, the president. It was the person that was interacting with sponsors. It was a scheduling. It was an, inc- it was an entire swap. People, I just had the title of sponsorship chair. Um, so I got a lot of recognition for that. And after that, you know, the time spent there, um, Angel kind of reached out and said, hey, you want to be the president of alumni relations? And I said, what is that? I don't really know what that is. And we had the conversation. And so the role is kind of, I kind of made it my own and took it and ran with it. And so it became, it was coming ever increasingly important because as the okay, you know, gets older and older, people who have graduated from uni 
like myself are still going to need professional help or may want professional help. And sponsors, many times, particularly our sponsors on the buy side, may not be interacting with undergraduate students. They may be only primarily focused or maybe primarily focused on um, individuals, professionals who have some level of experience. So it's my job to work on behalf of the adults from the LKB group since graduating and help them from anything from just having a conversation with them about what they're interested in, all the way to prepping them with interviews and getting them like people to um, you know prep them, give them resources. And that's one factor of my job. And the other factor is interacting with sponsors, you know, telling them what I'm seeing in the market. So for example, if I'm hearing from you know alum or just my friends from the industry, hey, you know, a lot of people are starting to get really interested in private credit or you know venture capital, or a lot of them are just starting to just be interested in real estate just for their own personal like you know ventures that's important information whether or not it affects these firms is made um doesn't really matter to me it's not for me to decide but i think it's imperative to give color where i see fit so you know i have worked right now i currently work with an incredible young man timothy brown he's uh going to sophomore at carnegie mellon uh, he handles a lot of the data um you know data analysis and pulling a lot of spreadsheets um together um, for me and I tell them what I think they need and then I interact with the sponsors and say hey I know that on cycle private equity recruitment is starting for the next month and a half I thought that you may want to see all of our individuals who have graduated this year that are going to private I'm um, going to banking and consulting that may or may not be interested in private equity um here's this list of individuals so you can start having conversations with them now so you can more level the playing field for when private equity recruitment starts um and so that's really what my role is it's really being a touch point on all capacities for um graduate for BLK alumni and our sponsors and the formal capacity um, you know the informal capacity I think it's imperative as a you know relatively older than all of you undergraduates and more experienced um, to share my opinion whether or not you like what I have to say you know to you guys. I think it's important to be able to tell you guys in a very frank manner. Um, here are the pros, here are the cons of a situation of any decision you have to make. Um, here's how people may view your decision. Here's you know so on and so forth. And it's but I'm not here to fly the plane for you. I'm here to just give you a clearer map. Yeah, no, thank you. As somebody who's been in BLK for the entirety of my college career, we, we you know, we thank you. Kind of to wrap things up, uh, any general advice or closing points you have on the matter? Yeah, I mean, um, for the undergraduates, I'd like to say this. Um, I'm going to sound like a bit older than I am, but I think social media with your career, our careers even, is um, something you have to be more cognizant of in the sense that, you know, especially on LinkedIn, it's very easy to look at somebody's career, resume, or they say it is on LinkedIn, um, and internalize that. You know, I'm sure that you've seen and many other individuals have seen people go do incredible things outside of, um, I write out an undergrad in Waltz and junior undergraduate, and they internalize that and they try and compare themselves to it you have to run your own race i get it it's very easy to compare yourself to the person that's doing go to a private equity shop out of undergrad go to a hedge fund out of undergrad run your own race um and really just try and cipher it out the noise i think that's the most important part um but i've certainly learned that more so as i got older um i wish i had someone tell me that when i was your age um and i think for the you know sponsors will tell them that you know this is a really interesting point in time uh, i guess in the state's history especially you know we have many Okay, we have many individuals um, who are younger who, you know, worked incredibly hard in university and um and they are not necessarily feeling as excited as they maybe had in previous generations about going to the office or going to work. And 
you know, some that maybe work ethic generated um, in those different backgrounds. But I think also some that's realizing that, like, you know, stuff's just gotten incredibly expensive. And I've seen many of my peers, especially even Rome, communicate to me that, you know, they still want to do what they're doing, but, like, they might want to do it not in Europe. So Atlanta, you know, Salt Lake City, uh, you know, St. Louis, Austin, Texas, you know, that's kind of getting really expensive now. But I, and I, and I view that as, you know, people just want to have a less expensive way of living because, you know, stuff's just getting quite expensive right now. Um, and trying to meet people where they are with that type of understanding rather than it's just kids that don't want to work, they don't want to come to the office. No, definitely. Thank you so much. I'm going to take that to heart. Thank you so much for your time, Joel. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was an incredible opportunity. Um, you know, if any, individuals on, on the sponsor side or on the UK side want to speak with me um you know how to get in contact with me if you don't my email is j-r-a-m-s-t-e-n-n-e-t-t at gmail.com um and also my cell phone number is one nine seven three six four seven zero eight four four.